so we are so excited today. We are the Homeworkies Podcast, and we are here with another interview. This is so exciting. We are here with Hallmark actor Christopher Palaha, and this is so fun. I'm Rachel, and uh, thank you so much, Christopher, for coming on our little podcast. Of course. You're so welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and you did my name perfectly. Yes. It's awesome. <laughs> Exactly right. <laughs> uh, well, uh, what we like to ask our guests is to first introduce yourself and let us know what inspired you to become an actor. Okay. Um, so, hi, everybody. Hi, listeners. Um, my name is Christopher Palaha, and I, I honestly was inspired to become an actor by my family because it was one of the things that we enjoyed sort of doing together um in particular my dad for example like he would pluck me out of school in the middle of the day and take me to go see a matinee um i have vivid memories of sitting down and watching never ending story with my dad um and i could remember every movie and where we sat in the movie theater as a kid from my first which was dustin hoffman's um tootsie oh where gosh, i ate so much licorice yeah, it was literally my thing took me to the movie. And I ate so much red licorice, I threw up on the shoulder of the guy in front of us. And my mom was so terrified, and she just sat there the whole night, like, hoping he wouldn't notice. But how could you not notice, like, kid vomit on your shoulder? <laughs> but the guy didn't. Um, I remember sitting in Chariots of Fire. I remember sitting in... Um, uh, uh, I remember watching JFK with my dad and my mom and having this really robust conversation about how, you know, that's not how the world perceived it, but how he, you know, he put forth such a good case and my dad was a lawyer. And he said, you know, that's exactly what, what I do in, in the courtroom. If I can create a little bit of doubt, then my guy is innocent. He's like, that's, he's like, that was masterful storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I was in high school, I was kind of tasked with finding uh, an after school activity and I tried out for a play and I tried out for the basketball team and I got cut from the basketball team. I'm six foot four inches tall. And I was about a buck seventy, so I was a big kid. Yeah. Um, but I had no coordination, and uh, I did make the play, however, which was Tennessee Williams' Streetcar Named Desire. Oh. I was the only freshman in the cast. Yeah, and I just fell in love with it. So I think my family's love for for cinema sort of uh, made me want to do it. I guess to make him proud. I think I thought I thought that it would make. I thought being an actor, it was like it was almost like kind of elusive and. Uh, it, it was almost like a fantasy. And I thought, well, you know, if I could do that, that would make my family really, really proud. Did, and then when I was in high school, what's that? I was just gonna say, did you grow up in Canada or? No, I'm actually from Nevada. So I was born okay. in Reno, Nevada. Yeah. And I also have these unbelievably vivid memories of sitting down with my parents, my, my dad in particular, on snowy days in Reno watching TCM, right? The Turner Classic mm -hmm. Movie Channel. Was it mm -hmm. TMC? Um, yeah, TMC. Yeah. And I can remember one day specifically when we went through Humphrey Bogart, all of his classic films, like the Maltese Falcon and Casablanca. And, and they used to run Charlie Chaplin on Sundays, like literally just, and I would watch these movies. I just loved movies, you know, as a little kid. And, and so kind of always wanted to, I guess, tell stories in that way. And then in high school, when I was tasked to do it, I found it was the thing that I was good at. So I was never like a particularly strong while I was athletic, never like that was never my bag or my jam. And while I was a good student, it wasn't like I was thriving in school. But all of a sudden, I stepped on stage and and uh, 
it's kind of where I came to life. So it started when I was 14 and then, um, I just started pursuing it. So I did all the plays in high school, went to NYU and Tisch school, of the arts and studied theater there. Wow. And then I got involved. I started a theater company in New York city where we would do a bunch of plays. And then I also got involved in a theater company, um, uh, under the artistic direction of this guy named Stephen Kennedy Murphy, who gave me this amazing opportunity in the summer of 1998, 20 years ago, this year, uh, where I played John Brown and Eugene O'Neill's Bread and Butter, and the New York Times wrote this kind of amazing article about the play and me, and had a big wow. old picture, and it was, yeah, it was really an amazing way to kind of, very blessed, absolutely blessed and charmed, and it was one of those, it's one of those rare stories, and, uh, you know, I was able to get an agent without headshots and the whole jam, because all of a sudden I had this thing kind of speaking for me, um, and then it was, then it was reality kind of hit and it was the grind. And I just started auditioning for film and television. And I was really lucky to get into television before I think the golden era of television sort of, sort of blossomed. Um, and so I was able to have this kind of career on TV, um, which has been really fun. And we can talk all about that if you want. Yeah, that's amazing. I love hearing that about uh, the films that influenced you as a kid because I, I feel the same way. I mean, my parents are not much into media, really. They're pretty, mm-hmm. I don't know, traditional, I guess. But I do remember just watching Disney movies and just lo- you know falling in love with with them, and uh, and then also things like. Uh, the Sound of Music was definitely one that we had on just continual right. rotation. <laughs> That's fun, and, right? And uh, and more that we never really watched much television until I was in high school. Then I started watching The Simpsons because, and I think my parents allowed it, even though I was somewhat irreverent. Um, they allowed it because it was like the one thing that my brother and I agreed on. We were, That's so funny. We were, They're like, here, here, watch this. Be quiet yeah. for half an hour. <laughs> You're not hating on each other. You're not driving us crazy. Here, watch it. You know, whatever. And, uh, and, That's and funny. yeah, it's like, it was our thing that we had in common and, and uh, it was just always made us laugh. And so uh, that was kind of the the big one. Also, my my father is like a huge Sherlock Holmes fan. So anything that had anything to do with Sherlock Holmes, yes. my dad loves yes. uh, the old Jeremy Brett. Well, guess what? Show. Guess what? Your dad is about to love the new show that Jill Wagner and I are doing really? right now. We're filming a mystery for Hallmark called Mystery 101. And Jill's character is kind of like, you know, she fancies oh. herself as a... Sherlock Holmes, and she's helping me, which I guess I would be the Scotland Yard in this analogy, uh-huh. and uh, I'm a detective, um, and it's like a whodunit, so every week is a little mystery, but it's all based on like literary characters. It's very fun. It's a cool little oh, thing, and we're lit- I'm literally filming. I'm in Vancouver right now filming it. No way. That sounds really fun. Yeah. 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 Oh, so good. your dad, you and your dad can, can sit down and share <laughs> <laughs> and share something in common. Yeah, that'll be great. Uh, so yeah, you, uh, you have done a number of stuff with Jill over the years. Uh, you did a show called North Shore, uh, which I want to talk about because I love not only Hawaii, but the North Shore. My grandparents had yeah. a house outside of Haleiwa for many years. And oh my I, gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and That's it, awesome. it's, I know it is amazing. And 
I just love it there so much. It's like if I'm stressed out, I think I just go back to it's like my my like my peaceful safe spot or whatever in my head. I'm like, oh, I love it. I love the North Shore. It so really much. is beautiful there. Yeah, it's such a different culture too. Like oh, any yeah. like if you go to Oahu and you're in Waikiki, like that's one thing. But the minute you get to the North Shore, you pass on that little freeway up to the pineapple fields. And you kind of come and make your you bank around that turn onto Waimea, basically, and all of a sudden, it's like the whole world changes, and it's a different kind of ocean, and it's a different kind of island. It's like more jungly, and uh, it's just it's amazing. It was an amazing opportunity. It was my second job ever. Oh my gosh! North Shore. My first job ever was, well, technically, I, my first job ever was a pilot called um, Third Degree for Fox. Uh-huh. And it didn't get picked up. Um, but oh, it is how I met my wife. So the big, the, big, <laughs> the big score on that one was meeting my wife. Um, <laughs> and that was, yeah, that was 2001. Uh-huh. Um, and then the next job that I did was I played John Kennedy Jr. in a, in a made-for-television movie. Um, it was only a few years after he passed away. But it was crazy. It was a crazy experience because they publicized it so beautifully, and there was I had a huge picture in Times Square, and my wife and I walked onto the subway, and with my face like all the way down, like for America, it's called America's Prince. I don't know if your listeners remember or not, but um, and it was such a wild experience, and I thought to myself like, well, here we go, the ride's about to begin. Um, <laughs> And then it was a little slow, and I did a pilot for another pilot for Fox called North Shore, um, which went for a year. And my kid was born in Hawaii, so our first son was born in Oahu, which is kind of a fun, cool thing for him. And uh, yeah, Joe and I pilot episode Maybe. directed by Peyton Reed and um, Jill Wagner. Yeah, and uh, what, what's that? Peyton Reed, isn't that he did Ant Man? Yeah, and Peyton Reed. Yeah, and Peyton Reed. Exactly, to Ant-Man. Yeah. And didn't he also do, um, didn't he do Liar, Liar, or did he do, I think he did, with Jim Carrey's Liar, Liar, uh, and Jason Momoa (laughs) was in it, too, who's now Aquaman. Uh, Such a fun, you know, to see him crushing it right now is such a joy, because he's such a great, he's just, he's a consistent, if I could have a spirit animal, Jason (laughs) Momoa would be my spirit animal. He's just like, he is who he is. It's a, he, so it's fun to root for him. Yeah, um, this show, it had it had a lot of people been in home. Brooke Burns, who I love. She's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Deloach. Yup, Nikki Deloach. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Yup. Yeah. It, um, who else? Corey okay. Sevigny. Do you, got, you remember, do you know Corey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He How was cool. in North Shore. He has a Christmas movie coming out. So yeah, it was a fun little sort of... And, and then what you realize... And this is for like any aspiring actors that might be listening to your show is what you realize is that overnight in Hollywood is really like a 20 year prospect, 20, 25 years and legitimately. And you can look at anybody's career. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon started when they were kids. Leonardo DiCaprio started when he was a little kid. I think that's and the case with almost any career. Like whether you're trying, my sister is a published author. Now she has picture books and it took her nine years. I think oh, cool. to get published of working. I, I, I think that 10 year rule <laughs> is unless yeah. you're super yeah. lucky uh, is, uh, is true. Uh, when I, when I was uh, in high school, I had thought 
of getting into theater myself, which is was crazy. But I, <laughs> I, uh, I went and did this, um, this uh, behind the scenes, whatever tour of uh, Broadway and of uh, a fan of the opera. And we got mm-hmm. to have this seminar with Carlotta from uh, fan of the opera. And she, that's a cool experience. I know. Wow. It was amazing. I wish I remembered her name, <laughs> but anyway, it was really interesting because one of the students asked her what was to be her big advice for people wanting to get into Broadway. And she said, don't major in, in musical theater, which was like, what? Yeah. And she said, yeah, she said every overnight sensation on Broadway is 10 years in the making. Yeah. And so she's like, years. Yeah. tables for 10 years, have something else you can do. I thought that was really interesting. That's amazing advice. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. So plus, I feel like artists who have who who I feel like artists anybody who has an interest in the world just has more to offer. It's like yeah. if you're just if you become an interesting person because you have a lot of of interests and you and you explore those interests and you read as much as you can about these things and you become an expert in as many things, which is hard to do. You can't become an expert overnight. It takes time to, to actually get good at stuff. Yeah. Um, then, then the thing that you're, you know, I mean, you're bringing all of that to the table. Like me as an actor, like I'm a dad, I have three sons. Right. I have a 14 year old, a 12 year old and a seven year old. And I've been married and we have this amazing, real rich, loving relationship. And it's like, all of that informs my acting. Like yeah. I'm all, I'm better for having been a daddy and for, yeah. you know, being a husband. I think uh, I wondered, is, are you um, a Polynesian in your background? Your last name sounds a little. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. You're, you're not the only person. When I lived in Hawaii, all the Hawaiians were like, Hey brother, brother, why are you so white? <laughs> Cause it's Palaha, like Aloha. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's a Slovak name. Oh, interesting. My, okay. my grandfather, uh, my grandfather, I don't know how the story rolls out, but my grandfather, Andrew Palaha, was born in America, but his father was born in Czechoslovakia. They went back to Czechoslovakia. So my grandfather got to be, you know, based on birthright, the first, you know, American citizen in our, in our family. And then, but he grew up in Czechoslovakia for a time and then came back to America and started working for Bethlehem Steel in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And then my dad was born. Um, so technically I'm third generation, you know, like, uh, off the, you know, after like immigrant or citizen, basically my dad was second generation. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, it's a Slovak name and we've got a little Irish, French and German in us. So, but no Polynesian. (laughs) Yeah. But it's that, it's all the same alphabet. Like, yeah. When I it's weird when I went to NYU, I think in order to kind of this is back in the '90s, by the way, when things were a little less uh, politically correct. They wanted to put people who were similar in the same rooms as freshmen because they felt like the city was so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so I was the only white kid in a room with four Indians because they thought I was Indian because of my last name. Oh, which was kind of which was kind of amazing. Um, and it was like we we covered the entire spectrum we had i had there was one guy who was muslim there was one guy who was sikh there was one guy who was hindu um and then there was another guy who i forget exactly what his belief system was but uh-huh. fascinating freshman year and it was them and i and we all stood there on day one and they were like huh <laughs> but it was awesome because i yeah. learned about 
I learned so much about, you know, and, and ended up, uh, Perminder and I ended up living together for two years. So it was a cool experience. That's really cool. Well, there's yeah. so many projects that I want to ask about, but, but let's, I guess we should get to the Hallmark ones. <laughs> okay. Um, so first role for Hallmark was a dater's handbook. Is that correct? It is. Yeah, it was. So where you got to work with, uh, Miss Megan Markle. So, the, and this was you just mean the before. Duchess of Sussex? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And this was just before she met Harry, correct? That's right. Yeah, we worked together December of 2015, and she met Harry that March of 2016, like Amazing. right after our little movie aired. Um, yeah, and I got to know her pretty well. We hung out for three weeks, solid. Uh -huh. And we, we went on, I called my wife, and I was like, I'm going on a fake date with Megan. And she's like, All right, have fun. <laughs> and, uh, we would talk and, and get to know each other a little bit and super smart girl. She went to Northwestern and she was involved in the UN and was super interested in um, sort of like being a global ambassador already, you know, before she'd met Harry. And, and I asked her, she said, are you going to act forever? And I said, yeah, I think so. She's like, yeah, you seem like a lifer. I was like, what about you? She's like, no, I, I just I feel like I'm called to do other stuff. Um, we had some really awesome conversations. Yeah, that when I when that that when she met Harry and it to me it was a perfect fit. I was like, yep, that's exactly right. Uh -huh. um, I mean, to the point where she said she even loved the guy in the uniform. <laughs> and, she, and when he married, and so when he was married in his uniform, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That was yeah. probably requested. That's um, cool. So I think it's I think she's going to make a, a perfect global ambassador. I think she's going to use that position to do some really really cool stuff. That's great. Um, yeah. That's really cool. I, I like the movie because it's one of the only, this is going to sound strange, but it's one of the only Hallmark movies that's actually about dating. Most of them, <laughs> they're not really about dating. Like, and, and you know, she's yeah. got these two guys that she's sort of interested in and uh, she's just dating them. She wasn't really committed to either of them. And I know it's actually a little risque because she's dating two guys at once for like a third of the film. I know. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. I think it's fun that, you know, it's just actually about dating because dating is hard. <laughs> it's stressful. And, uh, you know, I, I do think I also love that you, you take her on some really terrible dates. I, I don't think that they're so awful. Yeah. <laughs> the, the whole gym Can date. I say that like, the thing, the th yeah, the gym date where I like fall off the treadmill. I think the grossest thing I have ever seen myself do on film is she and I are bowling together. I take her on a bowling. It's yeah. like we've already kind of broken up in the movie, right? And I'm like, right, just right. come bowling. We'll be friends. And so because we're not dating, I have these French fries that I'm not wanting to share with her. And my character literally has like a bowling ball in his hand and then takes his fingers out of the dirty holes and then like eats a French fry. And I remember doing it as an actor being like, I'm so grossed out by this right now. And I mentioned it to the director and he's like, I don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. And every time I watch it, I'm like, Oh, and then she grabs the fry off the plate and then she eats it with her dirty hands. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. You're like, there's method. And then there's disgusting. And I was like, no, that's just gross. Like, people should watch their, they shouldn't bowl and eat at the same time. And I don't think anybody does, you know what I mean? Like, I think most people do wash their hands. But anyway, that's my but one. I think my one guy my took one. me on a gym date, and then he broke my iPod. I would be very upset. <laughs> she was yeah. much nicer than yeah. I probably be. 
wasn't wasn't like wasn't like the you know the it wasn't like the ideal it wasn't the ideal date no <laughs> Uh, but it's a fun movie. I enjoy it. And then you were in Hearts of Christmas, which I really like. And I think it's also unique because you're not a bad guy of business. Like you're pretty nice. <laughs> you're not, you're not yeah. trying to, to be mean or, you know, whatever. Like usually business is the villain in these movies. I kind of like that, right. that he was just trying to yeah, do his he job. Was actually, yeah. He was just trying to do his job. And, you know, I channeled, I, I tried to, remember that movie with George Clooney up in the air? Uh-huh. And he had a really hard job and he had to go around the country firing people. And, but there was something about, you know, there was something about, he did it with compassion and he did it yeah. with sympathy. And, and so I took that and ran with it. I was kind of like, you know, if he's going to be, and his job was the villain in that movie. So uh-huh. the, so the third wheel, instead of it being another guy was, who he was like his job was the thing that was running interference on that relationship. Yeah. Um, and again, working with Amelia, amazing. She's an awesome, awesome human being. And I had a blast working with her. And that's the thing about these Hallmark movies is that everybody who signs up for them kind of knows what the deal is. And there's not a lot of egos mm-hmm. and there's just a lot of joy on set. Like it's, yeah. I've, I've yet to work on a movie where someone's thrown a tantrum or wouldn't come to a set or, you know, it was picking fights with people. It's just like everybody's there, you know, grinding out it, grinding it out, and making it happen, and and, and in a really positive, fun way. And that's a big. That's been for me as an actor the most surprising aspect of these jobs, is getting to see the audience reaction and how rabid the fans are and how wonderful the fans are. And I uh, I recently wrote a little article for the Hollywood Reporter, yeah. and I was talking about why I love doing Hallmark movies. And one of the things, it was too long. I wrote a 1,700-word essay. I I could only print 700 words. And uh, But one of the little things that I wrote was, you know, I could also tell you a story about the fans, which I'll put you guys in that clumping, but you guys are like, it's almost like being a part of the movement of the Trekkies in the early 80s. And those shows weren't the most polished movies. They weren't, you know, there's something a little bit about, you could tell they were rushed. The production value had, same kind of thing like early Hallmark movies, like we're just making it happen, getting it done. But the fans loved it and they became the Trekkies and it became this huge movement that mm-hmm. exists today. Yeah. And I think that the, this, this genre of this, I don't even know what the genre is called yet, but like a hyper romance, hyper rom-com, a Hallmark, the Hallmark, the Hallmarkies like that. This It's not sci-fi. It's, you know, it's yeah. Well, my theory, ro- 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 fi, I don't know. My theory, yeah, what's your theory? Yes, my theory on it is that uh, with the sort of basically demise of soap operas, there really is like this void. I mean, there are still a few, but they, you know, they they they're not what they once were, and so there's sort of this void of entertainment made to provide sort of fantasy and escapism for women. And yes, there are men that mm-hmm. enjoy Hallmark, but I think in 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 the uh, in in feature films, their women were just ignored for a long time. I mean, that's why Crazy Rich Asians is such a phenomenon because we haven't had yeah, right. good quality romantic comedy in so long, <laughs> and so a lot right. of people turned to Hallmark because they you know, everybody needs escapism and you think men have 
a million escapism with superhero movies and <laughs> so many things are designed for, you know, like what, 17 to 25 year old men and boys. And, right. Yeah. And there's not as much that's designed to be an escapism for women. And I think that that's what makes the movies really work. And so popular <laughs> is uh, yeah, they're just, they are, and I think a lot of people that are really critical of them are usually critical of stuff that a lot of times is part of that escapism. It's sort of the tropes right. and uh, the romantic and the romantic nature of them. And uh, like most of the stuff that I laugh at when it comes to Hallmark movies is stuff that, that adds, it just adds to the whole experience of it. It makes it more. Right. You actually enjoy it. Right. You're right. You enjoy it even in its corniness or its cheesiness or its yeah. sappiness. Like, it's a part of it. Yeah. That's actually a really brilliant, I haven't thought of it in that term, but you're absolutely right. I can see that. And I absolutely like it. They're filling a niche yeah. and I never thought about it in, in sort of the, the, with the correlation of like the, the sort of the dwindling of soap operas, but you're right. There's this constant stream of really enjoyable, light, romantic fare for women to go and indulge in, which is cool. Yeah, Miss. Uh, it it did really well. Do you know that that is the number one movies and mysteries movie, uh, Christmas movie ever, number one of all time. That's of amazing. Time. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, I was just looking at the. Uh, uh, yeah, so that's pretty exciting. <laughs> and you're like, I yeah yeah. <laughs> and I love that you're like impressed. You're like, wait a minute. I just... <laughs> But I really That's enjoyed it. Fun. On my top 10 of Christmas, Countdown to Christmas last year, I thought it was really charming. I love Lindy Booth, and I really... Well, Lindy's amazing. Yep. I loved the scene with you and Treat Williams when he's got that ticket, and he's talking about how he he could have taken the bus. I think it was the bus or train. I can't remember. But uh, he, he decided to stay with... Uh, with his, you know, was with, with his, becomes his wife and he has that ticket. And whenever he looks at that ticket, he remembers he had a choice. Yeah. I yeah. love that whole scene. It was so good. And, you know, working with treat was such a joy because he is such a seasoned pro that like that scene in particular, you know, when you hear an actor and you really hear what they're saying, where you can forget the fact that they're acting and you can just drop in and listen to them. It's such a nice, it's so sort of it's such a treat <laughs> not to mm -hmm. I don't no pun intended but <laughs> and I remember that scene because every time he delivered it it was this it was fresh and new and it was just like being there for the first time and so it was so easy to just and I knew that scene was gonna have such a great warm energy and kind of drop in and yeah that that's been the goal the goal for me in Hallmark has always been to do the work as if I were working for Martin Scorsese yeah. or Steven Spielberg or Aaron Sorkin or David Mamet, somebody that I just absolutely respect and treat it like it's the same job. Like I don't show up on set and go, wow, I'm just doing a little quick three week thing here and I'm, I'll be in and out. And because like you said, it was the highest watched movie on, it was the third highest uh, cable. It was rated. It was in the top 10 ratings overall. Yeah. on all network and cable television. And that was against the Lakers game. And that was against like, mm -hmm. and we were third on cable only after Fox and CNN news, which, you know, how hard it is to, you know, people just leave right. it on news and 
go, they don't even watch it. They're just plugged right. in. So that means that everybody who's watching TV that night on cable, all these eyeballs. So the point is that people are watching and it matters, you know, quality control matters. And so, I mean, it's cool that it's sweet that you liked it because it, it mattered to like Lindy and I and Treat. Like I remember the three of us were sitting down going like, let's just make a great movie. Like it's yeah. not about being a great Hallmark movie. Let's make a great movie. And, and I guess apparently they used a clip of it in something that just aired this weekend. Yes, um, Once it was, Upon a Christmas or something? Yes, Once Upon a Christmas Miracle. It was so funny, too, because they were watching it. And it's the very end, obviously the ending, because why would they be kissing in the middle of the movie? And she's like, <laughs> so the character says, oh, you can tell. This is the, this is the, the just, this is the climax of the movie. This is the, like, the middle of the movie or whatever. I'm like, no, it's not. It's obviously the ending of the movie. <laughs> They're like, no, no, they end with a kiss. They end with a kiss. <laughs> we only kiss in the last minute. Of the <laughs> <laughs> so that was really funny. funny. I loved the ending of Christmas with that whole parade and the rain and you coming up on that horse. I was like, this is great. It's cute. I remember we had to change a line. I said to the director, I was like, you know, it rained, so why don't we? And so we added. I added a line to kind of justify the fact that like, yeah, it's raining. Let's like, let's, you know, and then they added in yeah. the special effects afterwards. I kind of looked up, I said, well, I'm going to look up and, you know, because I think we knew that, I think we shot that. Yeah. We shot it afterwards. And so I looked up as if there was thunder. And so in, in post they added thunder sound. Like it was really cool how you know, we all made it work. Like we knew that the, cause the parade was ruined. Like, and it, like, it was supposed to be this really happy, cheery thing. And it was, we were soaked. And all yeah. the background that were there that night were soaked. It was ice cold. The horses we were on were miserable. The guy couldn't have an umbrella because it would freak the horses out. And they were like, yeah. do you want to get on and off the horse? I was like, no, that's dangerous. So Lindy and I just sat on horses in the rain in our hats and our coats. And we just muscled through that night. It was grueling. Um, I bet. So but I appreciated it because it made it unique, made it different. And I, I, I really, I did really enjoy that. So good job. Good, good, <laughs> good. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's talk real quick about Pearl in Paradise because that okay. was so much fun too. Like maybe that was your prize for getting through all that cold weather is you got to go to. I kind of want to think that it was a little yeah. bit like <laughs> they sent me to Fiji with Jill Wagner and we got to make an adventure rom-com kind of like a la Romancing the Stone. Yeah. And it was a blast. A blast, and it Gary Yates directed it, and Michael Goldstein produced it, and it turned into like a. It was a really fun movie to make, and again, a little different, right? Like the yeah, formula was different. different. She it, was the guy, and yeah. as far as all of the, you know, like loosen up and let's go big and have a big adventure, and my guy was all uptight, kind of like that. I was playing like a Nebuchadnezzar, like New Yorker, <laughs> you know, kind of neurotic. Yeah. You know, writer character and, and it was fun. Yeah, was that fun after playing two kind of movie starish types, uh really cocky, kind of confident types? Uh was that fun to, to just be this different sort of nerdy type? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I made him terrified of spiders and he was always <laughs> swatting at bugs and like yeah, he did not he, he didn't like the fresh air, he didn't like the sunshine, he didn't like the bugs, yeah. he didn't like any of it. <laughs> it was fun. And it was charming because Jill and she's such a great man she's such a fun actor to work with because she's so in the moment. Um, she's not in her head with like, well, I need my character to like, blah, blah, blah. like, you know, all like too actory. She's just like present and responsive 
And she loved that character that I created. And she was so charmed by him. And she was like, I think it's so fun what you're doing. So we had this really great chemistry and a, a fun natural rapport. And apparently Hallmark and Bill Abbott and Michelle Vickery enjoyed it too, because we're, we're at it again. This time, Jill oh, gets to be... Detective. So. Yeah, she's a professor and she's kind of goofy and a little lighty, a little like like nerdy kind of and my guy is like this hardcore cop from you know originally from coney island new york <laughs> spent 15 years in the chicago pd like moved to chicago for college and then you know became oh. a cop there oh, he's a detective and he is it's not what you're used to seeing and in fact the note from hallmark was that i was playing him too dark like he was in a different show like a cop from an hbo show and i was like perfect that's exactly what you want she's like uh-huh. and they're like well no we need him to be charming too and so, but there's a sweet payoff and you'll see him, you'll see Jill kind of, you know, warm that character up. And, oh, well, I'm so excited. But we're getting that. ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Cause yes. that's coming out in January. <laughs> but the one in between that we haven't talked about yet. Yes. So small, small town, town Christmas. Christmas. This is coming out this weekend. And December 16th, Sunday night. Yeah. Nine yes. and eight central. <laughs> so this looks really fun. You and Ashley Newbro, Newbro, we, yeah, new bro. New bro. We love her because she was in Snowmance, which was <laughs> one of our favorites last year. We loved it. We had yeah. an emergency podcast all about it. And, <laughs> and so I'm really excited to see you two together. And why don't you tell us just a little bit about it and what we can expect? Um, well, she's amazing to work with, first of all. And the one thing I can say, so the movie is really sweet. She's a, a really successful writer. She's published her first book and it's a huge runaway hit. And she's on this book tour and she based her book on a town that she'd never been to, but it was my hometown. And we met in New York city like six, seven years ago. And I told her all about it. I told her how wonderful the Christmas was and how they did this Kringle fest every year and how there's community. And, and she kind of took that and made a book about it called small town uh-huh. Christmas. And what you don't know, and I don't want to ruin it for your listeners, is that there was a little bit of just miscommunication. And I had to go back to my small town. And it was kind of abrupt and sudden. And I never gave her an explanation. And so she felt jilted. Because oh. uh, even though we had never been in a romance, it was kind of leading in that direction. Okay. So she doesn't want to come to my town, but her press book tour manager says, no, this is your last stop and it's going to be great for business and you got to do it. So once she's there, she has a kind of a hands-on experience with what the town is really like. And the joy of this job for me was that I made a decision based on the writing because the character felt like this. Um, But he felt a lot like George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. Uh-huh. And so I came to set oh, wow. and I told the director that I was going to play um, this character as Jimmy Stewart. And the director was like, are you serious? And I was like, no, I'm dead serious. And then you come to find out that Ashley Newbro is related to Jimmy Stewart through an aunt or an uncle from, you know, removed twice or three times removed. And then you come to find out that the guy who created it, his name is Bruce. Uh, he kind of thought about Jimmy Stewart for the role. Like it was all there. It was all kind of, there was just magic. So I have this scene where, I mean, I'm literally like the whole, the whole movie. I'm kind of like, there's a little bit of a, a, a little bit of Jimmy Stewart, 
not a lot, just <laughs> enough to kind of lead you in the direction. Yes. And the tone's a little higher. Uh-huh. He's just super enthusiastic and he's very happy about Christmas. He loves Christmas. And so there's, there's <laughs> that. We'll see how good it is when it's on, on Sunday Christmas? night. Does she hate Christmas? Does she hate Christmas? No, he loves it. They okay. messed up on the tagline. He loves Christmas. <laughs> okay. So she, you're not going to have to convince her that Christmas is good. Like some of these movies. No, no, no. She, <laughs> yeah. Oh, does she hate Christmas? Yeah. No, I, she, no, she doesn't hate Christmas, but she's also, you'll see the conflict. There is a third man oh. and who may get her. You I'm may excited. get her. Actually. You might think I'm getting a girl, but maybe that was the, maybe that's how we're mixing it up uh-huh. this year. This sounds really fun. The writer, Samantha Herman, she just didn't mingle all the way. She's new to Hallmark, and she knocked that one out of the park. So very excited for this. I mean, two and one. And uh, so that sounds like sounds like a lot of fun. I you know, it's going to be fun. I love a good, uh, you know, writer romance, uh, past history, all that fun stuff. I, I'm a fan. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, yeah, and, and you know, just root, like small town values rooted in deep tradition, and mm-hmm. it's that sweet. It's very homey. It's gonna, yeah. it's gonna feel. But all of that gets threatened by a, by yeah. a third man. So that's the yeah. Well, that's, that's the nice because so many are about the high school boyfriend. So this is like oh, it's small town, but it's not like going back to the high school boyfriend. It's a little different, right? So that's good. This is different. <laughs> No, yeah. my guy, his name is Emmett and he's a contender. He's, oh. He was, he was, he was called back to the small town because of a family emergency, which I don't want to like ruin for the audience, but you, you realize why he was called back. Yeah. But he was living in New York and he's actually a really gifted writer himself. And, uh, and there's a sweet little scene at the end that we didn't film because the producer, Mary Beth Sprose was like, you know what? I think we could do a sequel and this would make a fun like this would be a fun way to push the story forward again. So instead of shooting last scene, we kind of left it on the table for the potential, uh, if it does well, you know, for a potential cool. follow up. Like yeah. Small town spring. Yeah. Small town Valentine. Mm-hmm. Small town uh, <laughs> harvest. Small town wedding. Sounds good to me. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, you have been so nice to come on talk with us. This has been so much fun. I really appreciate it. Rachel, it's a pleasure. And I'm so glad that I accidentally tagged you guys on my Twitter feed that day. I meant to tag those other guys. <laughs> that, other, that other podcast. Yeah, that other um, podcast. It's so funny. <laughs> they it's should so not sweet. be named podcast. No, just kidding. His name shall name. <laughs> well, no, that was very, I, I'm very glad that you did. And uh, thanks so much for coming on talking with us. And definitely before this, uh, this mystery show, maybe we can have you on again. And uh, sure. Maybe Jill and I could do it together. Yeah. Yeah. That would be so fun. Uh, That would be, that would be super fun. So we're really excited about it and uh, we will definitely be covering, we'll be live tweeting the movie this weekend and it should be, uh, it should be great. And so uh, do you have social media that you want to share? Sure. Um, if your listeners want to follow me on Instagram, it's at Polahaha, which is P-O-L-A-H-A-H-A. And on Twitter, I am at Chris Polaha with a K. It's K-R-I-S, P-O-L-A-H-A. Awesome. Um, and then Facebook is Christopher Polaha, but I'm not as active on 
on Facebook. Okay. Well, I'll have all the links for that in the description section. So everybody follow Chris and uh, thanks again. And we will definitely keep in touch. Rachel, thank you so much for supporting. I really, really appreciate it. No problem. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> all right. Thanks for having me on.